0: My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes Layer 2, where every interview is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. Franco <music> Mendenhall is the greatest leader I have ever known. At age 29, he became the youngest defensive coordinator in Pac-10 history. As head coach for BYU, he inherited a program with three straight losing seasons and immediately turned the program around, leading his teams to 11 straight bowl games, 5 10-win seasons, and regular top 25 rankings. As the head coach at the University of Virginia, Mendenhall's team progressed from two wins to six wins to eight wins and then nine wins as he led Virginia to the ACC's Coastal Division Championship and Virginia's first Orange Bowl appearance. But Mendenhall is known for more than his team's successes. His motto, earned, not given, typifies his approach to coaching and life. And though he has stepped away from coaching this year while looking for his next opportunity to positively impact the lives of others, he certainly did that today. I hope you enjoy learning from Bronco Menenhall because I always do. Coach, it's so great to talk with you today. And I don't think we've ever talked about this, but the first time I met you was in 2002. So I was playing uh, at Snow College And we stopped by the University of New Mexico on our way to playing New Mexico military. And we took a tour of the football stadium there in Albuquerque. And then you spoke to our team for 15 minutes. And I was an offensive guy. And most of us uh, on the team that I was friends with were offensive guys. And we all walked out of that, you know, brief 10, 15 minute meeting with you, knowing that we all wanted to play for you, uh, which was going to be tough because we're offensive guys. But as luck would have it, I go to BYU, you go to BYU to coach defense. And then you end up becoming the head coach and I, and I get to play for you uh, for a couple of years. So I don't know if you remember that talk mm. you gave, but it certainly had an impact on me.
1: I don't remember the talk. I don't remember the words, but I do remember you guys stopping. And I played at Snow and coached at Snow. And so there I had a special place in my heart for the long 12 to 14 hour bus rides and <laughs> sleeping under the seats or in the luggage racks and Buying your own cleats and kind of football at the purest form of investment and sacrifice to, to get to then and feel lucky to, to participate. And so I remember sleepy heads and bedheads and guys rolling out of buses. And, and I do remember having the chance to speak, but not what I had to say. But in those moments, right, those are really the things that that capture the essence of helping young people develop is can you add the right message with the right tone? Uh, and the right sincerity to truly capture a heart to try to encourage along the way. And if that happened in a 15 minute stop or message along a bus ride to the New Mexico military, then it's awesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there is, you know, there's nothing like playing a football game and you're just, you know, you're beat up and your body aches. And then you get on a bus with a group of guys, half of them don't even bother to shower. And you're staring at a, you know, 24 hour bus ride. Yeah, those were the days. But yeah, you you impacted me then and and you continue to impact me later. Uh, I I tell people that you got more out of me than any other coach has ever gotten out of me. And and I'm always grateful to you for that. Uh, You've coached a lot of football games in your career, um, but you've been open about the fact that football for you is just a vehicle for impacting people's lives. And as you think back on your career, are there two to three simple, practical, underappreciated lessons you've learned that you'd most like to pass on to future generations?
1: Yeah, I, and I, there is. And I, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to do that. And, and just before we leave the Snow College experience, after being under the, the seats as a player or in the luggage rack or <laughs> sleeping four to a room uh, and feeling lucky to do it, then coaching at Snow and being the one that's driving a 12 or 14 passenger bus Full of those players and kind of being the steward over that experience, I almost viewed that as a sacred experience to, to let someone go through, right? The trial, even to get to the game, <laughs> right? The trial to get home after the game, and being the one to help facilitate that, it was, it was almost like I was the guardian of the experience for a time. And anyway, I, I think that's what coaches and parents do, right? You try to pass on maybe the most impactful things that are usually the hardest things. And so that would be maybe the the first lesson I would give is hard is good. Hard isn't kind of good, hard is really good. And hard unifies people. One of our guiding principles at at Virginia was hard things together, meaning that when I would take over a program um, or an organization, the harder I could create something to do um, at the beginning, almost as an onboarding process would galvanize relationships, and that wasn't the, it was, the intent wasn't to screen or eliminate. The intent was actually to unify. And so the leadership in that has to be uh, at a really high level, but hard ends up being one of the greatest unifiers uh, and facilitators of long-term memory that I've ever had. And in this pause of coaching, I'm getting all these texts from former players and it isn't about the games. It's about a practice or an eco challenge or some kind of crazy thing I had the team do after practice that was so hard and they're pushing plates or, I don't know, flipping tires. and But those are the moments that they end, ended up responding best to and remembering most of their entire college experience. So the first would be simply the heart is good. And the second one, Um, in framing your question, is there's a huge difference between routine and relationships. And so you can end up going to practice in preparation for a game, but you can also end up going to practice uh, with the intent to uplift and inspire and build and really intentionally try to say the right thing at the right time to help someone become. And so much of our life is transactional, meaning just routines. And routines do help support Uh, And those habits do help support goals, right? And direction. But if it's at the expense of the relationship, it's not lasting or substantial. And so I I think most of the world has it backwards where relationships are everything. And the routines of our lives occupy most of our time. But wow, do they, they lack in most cases, substance and impact. And then I would say maybe the, another lesson just quickly uh, before you can kind of debrief or unpack or, or however you want to do it is uh, I've, I've been captivated by some methodologies. And, and one of the things that I read along the way in was a book called Teach, um, Teaching is Leadership. And it kind of comes from Teach for America and that program. Uh, but this idea uh, of what's what are the greatest gifts we can give other people? especially young people as we're grooming and developing, and that gift is high expectations. And that means giving them no quarter. So that means within the workplace, so in the classroom or on the practice field, um, the expectations uh, have to be maintained uh, with zero compromise. Before and after practice, an outpouring of love is essential, right? So there's this bond and trust and relationship that's going to hold. But then within the competitive arena or the preparation arena, yielding because of outside circumstances actually doesn't provide, doesn't provide the growth and development that will really be lasting and helpful to that person when they're really in a time of need. And so I love the idea of young people smiling in adversity when it comes, knowing they're absolutely prepared for it when it comes but then loved and nurtured right so fiercely on either side of that, that that they uh, wanted to go through it. Um, And the coaches and the parents or others that concede the expectations because of other circumstances, uh, a lot of times really end up uh, limiting the growth potential of another person. And, And so back to the point is extreme expectations surrounded by love, that combination to me is a magical sweet spot to help people become and so those those may be three points and i don't even remember what three i just gave you <laughs> but but those three things just in relation to the question were the first things that came into my mind and and that i found impacted
0: yeah i think it's so interesting because uh at the most basic level we know heart is good because we know our muscles don't grow without you know strength training or being yeah. being torn and uh you know you, you you can watch just what happens to people's legs as they end up mm-hmm. in a wheelchair. you know, they just atrophy so quickly. Um, we strive in our lives to make things or we have this tendency to strive to make things easy, uh, which is this idea that we just, uh, there's this term for it in psychology called miswanting. Yes. we just okay. want all of these things so often that don't help us. So I love this idea of just leaning into, you know, hard is good. And then of course, you know, relationships over routines, I've not heard, those two words coupled, but I love it because at the end of the day, you know, it is all about relationships. And and you recently launched a podcast, and on that podcast, uh, you've mentioned how uh, you've been getting a lot of letters and texts and emails from players. But maybe I'll let you tell kind of what these. Yeah, it,
1: it's been really amazing. Um, and this pause that I, I've taken, uh, it was an unintentional reason. Uh, but I've kind of sensed what impact have I had, if any, in the world of college football or in the lives of others. And what I've what I found, it's almost like going to your own funeral without being dead, right? And I hear what people say. <laughs> um, but anyway, former players. So the volume of texts, right, from administrators—that's a very low number of texts, right? From boosters, an alumni uh, or for boosters or supporters—that's a very small number. The highest volume of texts hundreds and hundreds has come from former players and not a single text to this point, whatever the date is today, the 27th, right? Whatever the date is, I haven't received, this is almost nine months worth now. I haven't received a single text that mentions a game, um, a season or an outcome. Every text has only mentioned moments of relationships, and those, well, much like you just said, there was a 15-minute speech at New Mexico on your way to New Mexico military, right, um, playing for Snow College. That, that has nothing to do with an outcome, right? And what I found is, and I think our life will be like that. It'll be kind of like, you know, what sports centers like. There's a four-hour game or a three-hour game um, reduced to five plays, and then they're on to the next game. I think when we stand at the end of our life and we say, what, what moments were there a real impact? It'll be like highlights and there's all this other stuff that we were routine oriented in, but there'll be these things where we are really intentional about trying hard to help someone else. And well, I put it this way. I think we can make those highlights as long as we want that highlight reel. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's a good and
1: point. it's it's fun to pursue that kind of life. And throughout my career as coaching, I've moved way more in that direction than I have. The outcome is certainly necessary. The winning is absolutely necessary. That's just so you can keep doing the work that's really important. And that work is the relationship building and the development of, of people. And wow, is that it's just everything. And that's, that's really what I've learned. And that's come through super hard things, right? Yeah. And, and hard is, is not only for being hard, it's to help someone become. And we know the sweet spot is, is a goal or an area right outside of your current ability right? It's not so far out there that you're demoralized. Yeah. So the trick is to, to create a vision for an organization that seems so daunting, but then set those micro and simple success goals right outside of the comfort zone where you're always stretching and exhausted at the end of every day, but you know, you're so close. And then there's hope, right? And when there's hope, there's faith and there's optimism and there's motivation and fun and smiling because you're almost there, right? You're just you're just almost there. Tomorrow, yep, we got a great chance, and and so you live this this life kind of being pulled toward progression when it's designed correctly.
0: You know, talking about relationships makes me think of this statistic in uh, academia where uh, you know universities care a lot about getting the students through the university and and to graduation, and kind of the number one predictor. Uh, for a lot of students, especially um, people who come from lower socioeconomic backgrounds, is, did I have a professor that cared about me? And it's about that relationship that helps somebody get to the next point. And and you think about the humans, humans as a species, you know, our our launching period from the time that we're with our parents until we leave the nest, you know, is just decades longer than others. We had a bird's nest uh, right in our front porch the other day. And and the the birds are getting older, you know, it's just like within weeks, they're, they're kicked out of the nest, you know, and we have to learn to do those hard things in this long period that we have. Otherwise, you know, it's just going to be so difficult to thrive.
1: And you think, you think about the impact of the college experience. And I I just shared to you, uh, shared with you that I, I think in most cases, college athletics is is just prolonging adolescence because of the this myopic view of what's so important, which is college football. And by the time the eligibility is over, college is done, and the exploration and learning of what an institution really can provide, that window's closed. And a lot of times, and young people are married and they're off on their jobs, and they don't even know what they want to do yet, and they they missed a huge window to to help them shape that. And it, it's 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 really a, a, a challenging thing to have to be a leader in that space and intentionally promote the other, but not at the expense of the outcome, right? And we we called it and at the University of Virginia, we were in pursuit of and where we wanted amazing students with amazing social lives and giving back to the community at an elite level and winning championships and, right, framing their future. And what there's great research done, and you might have been familiar with this, um, think the Bill Gates Foundation, Bill and Melinda Gates might have funded it, uh, but it it was talking about what helps younger people, especially of lower socioeconomic status. And man, the vision creation, if they had, if if they could actually see um, a future for them in as much details, what state were they living in? What color house were they driving cars? Where were they working? You know, like seeing it so vividly, but then having, to your point, one person that really cared about them in a position that was capable of helping them. And so so much right now in college football is NIL and the collectives. And it's almost all exclusively of getting players, right? Yeah. Attracting them. Um and then right, caring for the ones you have, which should be first to me, but really what hasn't been addressed yet is what's happening on the back end. And t- to me, we've we're designing this backwards. I I think the NIL ought to be, how do we help those that have given so much um, to a program and an institution in the community? How do you then launch them and help them with the infrastructure to be guided into their life? That's number one. Then caring for the players that are currently in, right? Because they're the next generation. And then after all that, let's talk about um, what it's going to cost. And and so a a number thrown out the other day, and I won't name the Power 5 school, but that coach said it's going to take $13 million per year to keep my current roster intact without losing players to other, other programs, 13 million through NIL endorsements to keep his current roster. And then he went on to say about 15 million more and separate to add a recruiting class. So there's been no mention of what happens to the players moving forward, but think about that now of 13 million to keep your own roster from them not leaving to go to another place. And then about 15 million more in NIL to add a recruiting class. And and so we're doing that because, and that would be because the generation of finance on the other end, right? Which is a business model. I'm much more interested in the human development model. And it's hard to make sense of those numbers when you think about it.
0: I love this idea of and because Hmm. and appreciates that it's about people and developing them. When I, uh, at one school I played at, they said, look, you've got three lives. You've got your football life, your academic life and your social life, but you only have time for two. So choose wisely. You know, that was, (laughs) that was the or model. That was not the and model. That was, you know, you're not, you're not here to develop as a person. You're here to play Hmm. football and get good grades. And when I went to law school, it was the first time I didn't have football and I was able to appreciate what a university had to offer. And that was why I decided to stay in this career the rest of my life, because I was able to start taking advantage of all of these other opportunities. Exactly. It's about so much more than than money.
1: I, I, I heard a, a great quote one time and, and a woman, I believe her name was Joy D. Jones. And I think she said, eternity is the wrong thing to be wrong about.
0: And <laughs> oh, so- awesome
1: here we are on this planet. And so what, what impact does a sport really have? Well, it could be huge if it is being led and designed by someone that really sees that as the way to help people become what they truly can be, right? While they're participating in a sport, not because they're participating in a sport. And and I think it doesn't um, have you concede outcome. I think it actually drives outcome. Um, and I think those two things can be meshed really well. And you mentioned uh, before our, our our show here that you're still on a thread with former players that were guys that you played with. Exactly. That's relationships. Because yeah. you went through hard from a coach that loved hard, you're galvanized in a way that that thing's not breaking. Yeah. And those stories are going to last forever um, because it was hard. And that's what's so cool about it. And so through a sport, people were being developed. Like, And, and I'm so proud of just like the trajectory you're on. Uh, but each of the, the teammates you mentioned, they're all doing really well. But in different ways and doing different things, but galvanized through challenge, right? Through a platform of playing a game, but the game isn't really what's lasted. The relationships are what's lasted. And that to me is the reason to do it. And I think college football—we're losing sight. We might be losing our soul, uh, the, college, the soul of college football. And there are some coaches that are trying so hard to do it, and I, I applaud them. Um, but in general, the commercialization and entertainment is something that we won't ever be able to get enough of, and we won't ever be full. It just—it doesn't add substance um, in a way that is truly compelling. And that's kind of a, those are the things you and I are talking about.
0: Well, coach. We could keep going. Uh, I want to be respectful. We're over time we're already. already time. Huh? Yeah, we're already over time, but I, yep. I, I just love uh, learning from you. Um, you've just been such an inspirational leader <clears throat> to me in my life. I've interviewed you uh, more than 100 times, uh, typically <laughs> at, at halftime during a football game. Uh, but I have to say, I, I have enjoyed this one the most, uh, mm-hmm. talking about things of substance. Uh, yep. Before you you got on, um, before we hit record, you, you shared this quote. i um, if you have it there you could read it but it's you, we never have enough
1: oh yeah so and and so uh, it, it's been something that um uh, i just learned or was just articulated in a way that made sense we never have enough of things we don't need
0: yeah
1: uh but wow when we find something that we do need uh wow does that the, the, it resonates at a deeper level um, and those are the moments to actually pause and reflect and why is that resonating? And that usually means that's something to hold on to, ponder, and, and it usually didn't come easy, right? Yeah, it it yeah. came with a challenge. And, and here, here's maybe the last thing, Nate, that, that I, would, I would add. Um, I, I've been so lucky through college football, and it's a lucrative profession in terms of money. Uh, but that that really has had no impact on my life. and And so many folks that I think have had success, they try to make things easier for their kids. And their kids now benefit with luxury. And luxury is a performance narcotic, right? Luxury gets in the way of human development. And so, so many of us that want better for our kids, we better be really careful of not making it better is not easier, right? Better is not more of. Better is hard, right? Better is learning the lessons that require sweat and grit and resiliency, surrounded by love and care from parents that really want to help their kids become. And so, yeah, I, I would just, I would just add for, for man, for your generation, right? And for all of you guys that are now have your own kids, um, love isn't always manifest through more stuff right love is manifest through experiences right and backpacking with carrying packs and you know cooking fish and and, you know looking at the map and and you letting them know they're going the wrong way and let them realize they're they've gone backwards and just cost you three hours (laughs) and then then okay let's just and you let them go far enough to where it's not fatal but they've got the point to say, let's pause for a second. And you might want to turn the map this way. And okay. Now we have got to go back to three hours. And those lessons are the ones that are the most memorable. And, and, um, if we try to solve everything and make it easier for the next generation, what kind of generation are we building?
0: You know, it reminds me of a a guy, a wealthy guy I talked to once. And he says, you know, I'm not going to give anything to my kids. I, they've got to earn everything. They got to earn it all. I'm just going to give them their first house. And, (laughs) Oh, well, everybody's going to decide exactly you know what hard is, but I, th- I think you know, I love your first point of hard is good. Um, I think we can both agree that the lef- lessons uh, we talked about today are infinitely more important than football. I look forward to following your career, uh, mm-hmm. seeing where it takes you next as you continue teaching and, and training young men. So thank you so much for coming on.:
1: Thanks, Nate. Love and miss you. Good luck.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Mickles and Dimes. I asked Bronco Mendenhall to share two to three lessons he's learned that he most wants to pass along, and as always, he over-delivered. First, hard is good, and it isn't kind of good. It's really good. Mendenhall's guiding principle at Virginia was hard things together, which helped bond and unify his team. Second, relationships are more important than routines. Of the hundreds of texts, emails, and messages Mendenhall has received since stepping away from coaching, not a single message has mentioned a play, a game, a season, or a record. Even though routines occupy most of our time, relationships are everything. Third, one of the greatest gifts we can give young people is high expectations with zero compromise. If we remove obstacles or lower our standards for those we care about, we limit their opportunities for growth and development. Mendenhall loves seeing young people smile at adversity, knowing that they are prepared for it and supported and nurtured through it. In Mendenhall's words, extreme expectations, surrounded by love. That combination is a magical sweet spot to help people become. Fourth, Mendenhall is in the pursuit of AND, developing amazing players and amazing students, with amazing social lives, who give back to the community, all while preparing themselves for the future. For Hall, it's never just about winning football games, because wins and losses are not substantive. We can never have enough of the things we don't need. And finally, when we stand at the end of our life and examine the moments that truly matter, we'll see moments where we were intentional about trying to help others. So let's make our life's purpose clear and our highlight reel as long as possible, because eternity is the wrong thing to be wrong about. Mendenhall got more out of me than I had ever gotten out of myself and our conversation today helped me see how he did it all the while giving me insight into why his life's purpose one that I think we should all strive to adopt is to help other people reach their potential it's a simple idea please take it seriously